0: Listening to the Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo development, and everything in between. All right, so welcome to the Bounding Box. So today I have a very special guest with me. I have Lisa Berry on the line here. So, Lisa, could you please introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and what your problem is? <laughs>
1: Uh, hey, Renee. My name is Lisa Berry. I am a senior product engineer at Esri on the Living Atlas team. And my problem is that there are too many things to map and not enough time to map them all.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So um, how long have you been at Esri now? Because I know you, I think you probably were here before I got to Esri. I can't remember now.
1: I started January of 2014, so I am coming up on nine years, and I've been on the same team since day one, and I would not change a thing because I get to play with data and maps all day, every day. I get to write code. I get to test software. Uh, I'd like to say I'm living the GIS dream.
0: That's awesome. It's a great mix, too, because like you said, you get to write code, you get to make maps and play with the data and stuff like that. And Honestly, I don't get to play with data too often on a regular basis. I used to before I joined Esri. I worked county. Uh, I was creating maps right. and munging a lot of data and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun, but I don't really do much of that anymore. I'm just working on like uh, writing the code and helping people uh, with data stuff. So that's very cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm very, I'm very lucky, uh, and I'd like, like I said, uh, I have the dream. <laughs>
0: So, like it used to be back in the day, we get the census data, and like, you know, you wait every 10 years and uh, you do some cool stuff with it here and there. And if you're lucky, maybe the Department of Finance, something like that, releases some more data and you can mix that up. Um, and you have to do American Fact Finder and all that stuff. But it's a little different now. I mean, there's no more American oh, yeah. Fact Finder, they have like a data. A portal and stuff you can get to and everything now. So wh- what's the process like, the steps you take to get data into Living Atlas or update some of the current stuff that's already in Living Atlas?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Um, when it comes to census data in particular, um, that's my wheelhouse, uh, me and my direct team, the policy mapping team. Uh, we work on getting census data and particularly American Community Survey data into Living Atlas, and we use our own Python API. Um, And so we are users of our own software, uh, and so it's super cool. We get to, you know, find the little intricacies and be the first people to test things out. But, um, yeah, nowadays the census has um, a really wonderful API, and we utilize um, that to its fullest. And so for the American Community Survey data, um, we're able to extract the data uh, process it, get it into the right format, join it with the correct boundaries, You know, make sure every field is in the right format, um, add alias names, long descriptions, um, and we get all of that hosted into ArcGIS Online. Like I said, pretty much all with Python. And we actually have a Python process that we run every year to update it. So as soon as the census updates their newest figures, we run uh, a script and it updates all of our ACS layers with the newest data. Uh, so we, like I said, we are users of our own product,
0: and that's awesome. Now, is the ACS data part of what people use geo enrichment for as well? Um, that data. Uh-
1: Uh, That's a great question. Uh, In general, uh, when you access um, Living Atlas data through something like GeoEnrichment or Business Analyst, it actually is living in a slightly different world and processed a little bit different, but it is ultimately the same data. It's just how you access it is a little bit different. But uh, that's actually a question we get quite often is that our Business Analyst data and whatnot and within within enrichment is technically in the Living Atlas sphere
0: because yeah, I always get a little confused. Sometimes I'll get some data. I'm like, well, should I just t- t- try and merge this with the Living Atlas layer, or do I do the go the geoenrichment enrichment route and let it do its thing for me and stuff? So yeah, I, I get a little confused sometimes when working with that stuff too. So.
1: Oh yeah, and the methodology for uh, geo enrichment is online in our documentation, and so oh man, we could spend a whole time a whole day talking about uh, apportionment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's cool, and and we were talking about this too. You use arcade a lot to do the visualizations for the Living Atlas mm-hmm. stuff too, right? Because it's not just the layers, but you're actually creating the web maps um, that people can use. That's part of the Living Atlas too, right?
1: Right. Um, our team actually creates pretty much any type of item. We create the data layer, uh, which is you know we actually do more than just the raw data. We try to make sure it has default symbology and default pop up. So even the layer has something configured on it. So you're not just getting this blank map every time you open the data within a map. Uh, But yes, we actually do create a huge wealth of web maps because each one of those layers in Living Atlas could have up to 100, 200 fields in it. Each one of those fields is its own map. And so our team is really lucky. We get to just play with this data and try to make as many maps about um, questions that are being asked to us by the GIS community. And we get to share that through resources like Living Atlas and policy mapping so that I bet if you ask a question about socioeconomic factors, someone else has also asked it. And so we try to map it.
0: Awesome. Now, when you, so I'm assuming when you, uh, your team uh, makes Living Atlas data, they push data out, that becomes the authoritative data at that point. Um, are there other authoritative data sets from like um partners or customers or anyone else like that, that they publish that becomes authoritative? What's this process for something like that?
1: Oh yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say there's a mix of what's in living Atlas of um, our users who have contributed their data from an authoritative source. And then there's some cases where uh, they, that may not be possible. And so Esri takes it upon ourselves to do that data processing. Um, Just a few examples. Some of our, you know, just, Killer contributors to Living Atlas are um, organizations like NOAA and CDC. They actually host and own a lot of their own data. And so that's awesome because then they just go through a nomination process and we curate what uh, they hand us. Um, But like I said, in some cases, that's not quite possible um, and so we'll do that data processing and hosting um, for them. Uh, a huge example of that is our live feeds. Um, you know, did you know you can access live weather, live stream gauges, live earthquakes, live fires, live, live smoke detection? Uh, you know, and that, those are coming from sources like the National Weather Service, USGS, Um, And so we actually are doing that hard work of going to their FTP site, going to their API and extracting it, say, every five minutes so that you don't have to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That saves a lot of uh, time for people having to put that kind of stuff together for sure.
1: Oh, my gosh. And and that's probably the comment we get the most uh, from people is, oh, my gosh, I used to do this by hand. It would take me three weeks before I ever even started to work on the data and now they just add it into their map and they're able to just start mapping.
0: Start just, every time I see something like that, that like someone's just made a new map with all this cool data on there, I'm like, no, that, that seriously would have taken me like a week of just, uh, <laughs> right. to, it would have taken two days of like phone calls to get right. hold of like someone <laughs> in the agency that could send me the data and then to put the whole right. thing together. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's a great resource for sure.
1: Right. And we, we're we super lucky because um, our team covers a wide span of socioeconomic, uh, infrastructure, environmental topics. And we work directly with a lot of these organizations. Um, and we also have a lot of subject matter experts on the team. And so we have a lot of people who have been there. A lot of our teammates <laughs> have spent countless hours doing this by hand. And then we said, let's not do that by hand anymore. <laughs>
0: Now, once someone is looking at living Atlas day, so like, the, I guess the step someone would find is that living Atlas actually have, it's has its own entry point website. Um, on arcgis.com they can go to and find data through there and they can go ahead and open that data up in the map viewer. Is there any like tricks or something like that they can do what they want to start exploring the data and maybe change the, uh, the render that you're using or something like that? Like what would someone do with it once they have it in their own map?
1: No, that's a great question. And to be honest, wherever you make your maps, wherever you already have your workflows, you're able to access Living Atlas content. And so you don't actually have to change anything that you're doing. Uh, You just say when you do add data, you just choose Living Atlas instead of, say, your local C drive. Uh, And you're able to, uh, to just simply add these things into your map and use them like they're your own data um and but i would say yeah there's three main ways to get to the data that we have our own website which is a great place to kind of just explore what's possible browse the different categories uh you know see the world of possibilities um and you can open items from there or like i said you can do it directly within your map in arcgis pro uh, you can do it directly within your map in arcgis online and so um you know, you would style it the same way you would style other things. But, you know, I think we try to encourage that data exploration. You know, yes, it may be symbolized by an attribute already, but go ahead and try a different attribute less online tell you more about the statistics of that attribute. And, you know, I, I even have a blog I wrote that said explore before you map. It really is like spend five to ten minutes with your data before you think you already know what your map is going to be, you know, <laughs> like and I would say that's the act with any data. But, you know, we do try to encourage best practices within Living Atlas. Um, like having good alias names, having a good pop-up, having uh, long descriptions. Those in ArcGIS Online are incredibly powerful. We put those in our ACS layers, and people are able to see the detailed metadata that you would normally have to go hunt on the census websites. It's built directly into the layer. You don't even have to leave the map. So you can do so much exploration. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You can do all this exploration directly within the map. You don't have to go to the websites anymore and hunt and be a subject matter expert. And so, yes, we are huge proponents of, like, long descriptions and alias names. Um,
0: but... Yeah, because you look at some of the, like, native field names, and it's like B001283 <laughs> or something. Like I Underscore yeah. E. <laughs> oh, that's um, that's awesome. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and you know I'm going to ask this question, uh, Lisa. You know that <laughs> anyone you talk to is asking this question. Race car driving. That's like that's like your <laughs> thing, right? I mean, how how did you get into that?
1: Oh, you know, and that's a funny story. Um, you know, yeah, so my whole family does what's called autocross and my dad has actually been doing it since the seventies, pretty much right when he oh, wow. got out of high school. Um, and it just became this family thing. So I grew up racing with my sisters and we all started in go karts as kids and i even met my fiance at a race you know a few years ago and so my sister met her husband racing uh it has very much been built into like our family and who we are um and it's just you know it is super kind of funny um that you know my my parents tried three times for sons and they had three daughters but that's okay they all still race cars my oh, sister's awesome. a mechanical engineer
0: <laughs> okay so at this point it's perfectly clear I know nothing about race car driving or autocross. So I'm about to ask Lisa a very dumb question. Do you have a favorite track that you like to race on?
1: And so we actually race uh, what's called autocross. And so it's what's funny is we do this in parking lots. Um, oh, around I did know that. Wow, cones. okay.
0: I didn't know that's what it was. All
1: right. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's most of what we do. Um, my fiance races in on actual racetracks. I would say one of his favorite he, that he got to race on was Coda, um, which is circuit of the Americas, which is wow. an F1 track in Texas. And he, you know, he said <laughs> that was just like, he has never smiled so big in his life. Uh, and I would say just sharing that experience, I would say probably Coda. It's pretty okay. cool.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. And, all right, Lisa. Thank you very much. I don't want to keep you too long or to respect your time here, but I did want to ask if you had any tips or tricks for listeners that are, you know, looking in the mapping, getting in the mapping, want to play with data or anything like that at all, or anything in oh. particular.
1: I I mean, you know, this is a cliche one, but I added into everything is the biggest tip of your life is to always wear sunscreen. If you've heard of <laughs> that uh, podcast. <laughs> But apart from that, um, if you are getting into different types of mapping or you just want to learn more, my biggest tip is uh, ArcGIS blogs are a goldmine. You can learn so many things and you can also follow people as an RSS feed. So you can be notified when your favorite people like John Nelson host something. So uh, blogs. Go on the blogs learn new things. Woohoo, mapping.
0: <laughs> oh, awesome, Lisa. Thank you very much. Um, I was going say, so I want to respect your time here and let you go. But you have a great day. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you too, Renee. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Bounty Box today. Please subscribe for more content.